Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 216 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen, hosted by Matt Payne. This week, I hosted a very special panel conversation on mental health and landscape photography with my guests Brian Rube, Brian Pesman, and Len Metcalf. Our three guests share their personal struggles with mental health as it relates to landscape photography, and we discuss ways in which this has shaped their careers, as well as things that they are doing to mitigate these impacts. We also discuss how their approach to photography helps their mental health, and so much more. Before we get started, I wanted to tell listeners about a very special opportunity to join my friend, Gary Randall, in August for an experience of a lifetime in Alaska. Gary's seven-day workshop is an all-inclusive event, minus airfare to and from Anchorage, and it is sure to be an incredible way to invest in yourself and your photography. Just head over to gary-randall.com or go to the show notes for the podcast to learn more. Okay, let's get to the show. All right. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Brian Rube, Len Metcalf, and Brian Pesman. I'm really thankful to have uh, you guys here to talk about a really important subject on the show today, and, and that is photography and uh, mental health. And so I thought we could uh, start out by just briefly uh, going around the table and introducing ourselves, and we'll start with Brian. Uh, my name is Brian Rube. I, am, I live in California. Uh, I've been photographing for probably about 30 years. Um, is that all you want from me right now? Just the sure. Okay. Yeah, that works. Okay. And what about for you, Len? Oh, thanks, Matt. Um, Len Metcalf. I'm in um, the Blue Mountains in um, Australia at the moment, just about two hours west of, of Sydney, enjoying a beautiful sunrise out over a huge valley. So, um, been photographing uh, my whole life. So thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, welcome back. And um, Pesman. Hey, aloha, guys. I've uh, been a uh, photographer for about 30 years, um, originally based in Colorado and uh, kind of back and forth between California and Hawaii and uh, a little bit back in Colorado. And uh, it's good to be on board. And uh, it's a beautiful day here. We just had some snow in Colorado. So it's, uh, it's good to be back home. Awesome. Welcome home. <laughs> So cool. So I thought it would be really great to just uh, kick us off by, you know, maybe going around and, and maybe Brian, uh, you could go first. But uh, tell us a little bit um, about your personal struggles with mental health. Sure. Um, for me, I think as someone who has dealt with some, you know, insecurity issues probably for a large part of my life as well as being somebody who typically kind of overthinks things um, and just genuinely somebody who wants to be a people pleaser. I think I got sucked in to working far too much. Like I was, you know, constantly feeling like I needed to not only be doing something photographically in order to, you know, provide for my family, but also just to like get new material to keep, you know, you kind of feel like, there's so much that people demand of you. And I had a hard time just saying no to people. And as a result, it ended with just like being taken advantage of in the business quite often um, by people that I, that I trusted. And as a result, you end up kind of fracturing multiple relationships that are also important because you're trying to do too much. So 
it kind of culminated about a year and a half, maybe two years ago with a, like a full on, like, you know, crying breakdown in the middle of a raised supermarket parking lot, which is, if you haven't done that, it's a really, really awesome thing to, to be able to do just to, you know, do that in front of a whole bunch of people. So I didn't see that coming. And, and then from there, it's been like, that was like, I would say like the rock bottom point. And then from there, it's been trying to realize and come to grips with the fact that even if you are a strong person or consider yourself a strong person mentally, like you can't um, always fix things. Like you can't, you know, there's things that can be off chemically in your brain that you can't fix. So it's been, that's been the process for me to kind of start that journey a couple of years ago. Thanks for having the courage to tell us about that story. And I'm sure lots of listeners could can can resonate with that story, you know, in terms of not being able to say no, especially as a photographer and as a creative person. For sure. Yeah. What about what about for you, Len? Well, um, I'm actually uh, dyslexic, and that's been a struggle as a um, a child surviving in um, the school system, and uh, dealing with that and, and some sort of um, family um, problems with anxiety. So I, I have um, I worry overly about everything that's going on and focusing on things, and then when that builds up, it's built up into um, bouts of depression. Um, and then sort of early on in my life, I, um, uh, about 30 or so, I started, I always had a very ethical stance with um, the workplace and working um, in uh, large government organisations. I'd take people on for ethical reasons for their performance. And uh, uh, that actually um, resulted in, in eventually being threatened with violence and then I started to go in and um, have post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, and then today that gets triggered whenever I feel threatened and uh, I can uh, end up curled up on the end of the bed for a few weeks or months um, getting up to go and, and work and teach and, and do my job but then there's suffering at home until I work my way through it and come out the other side. And I do that with um, uh, uh, the help of professionals and um, with some medication. So uh, I think that anxiety throughout my whole life is up and down, um, has created some incredibly difficult moments for me um, along the way. Mm. Yeah. Thank, thank you for, thank you for being open to share that. It, um, I can, I can definitely appreciate the, you know, feeling threatened. I, I had a death threat against me a few years ago and I, it was seemed relatively credible too. And it really paralyzes you in terms of anxiety and fear. And, you know, even if it's not founded in, you know, logic, it still shakes you. Oh, definitely Matt. And that, that exactly is the, um, what we're talking about is someone threatens to kill you and, um, uh, you don't realize how much you're shutting down. Um, I stopped answering my phone. I started locking the house. Um, uh, I hadn't locked it in 15 years. And then I started moving. I, I moved houses 15 times. I changed my phone number 10 times. Um, uh, and then I was like, oh, there's something actually wrong here. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then you start to unpack it and try to figure out what's going on. And today, uh, 
someone only has to raise a, um, a pot- I was um, in the street a few a year or two ago, and someone raised their fist towards me um, who was drunk, and that just triggered off an, another whole thing. So um, I'm glad to hear that um, uh, someone else is, understands what that's like. So thanks, Matt. Yeah. Uh, what about for you, Pesman? I think uh, for the majority of my my professional career, it's always been very easy to get to the places I want professionally. Behind the scenes, it's always been a struggle. Um, my marriage suffered because of my career. Uh, she was on a corporate world and I was stuck in a, an artistic world. And those worlds didn't really mesh too well together. So that relationship had ended from that. And, uh, you know, I had to still kind of be with the kind of career path that I wanted to go. So tried to shape into the next couple of relationships to be more in tune with the, um, the career path that I wanted with the, with my artistry, but um, it's mostly the relationships that have caused the, the trauma and the, you know, the real fear factor that creates the depression that I deal with. And I, um, it accelerated this last year because of the COVID situation. You know, I've got, um, gallery work that has been completely shut down and haven't had any uh, real money coming in from that path for the better part of a year. It's starting to trickle back in, but in the meanwhile, it's damaged relationships and it's been really difficult to kind of offset that, uh, that fear and doubt that you have as an artist. And, you know, we have that starving artist mentality to begin with, and we can be hardest on ourselves, uh, both mentally and both with, uh, you know, seeing so many beautiful pieces from other people out there. And there will always be somebody that you feel like is going to be better than you. And you want to always ascend to create a new version of you. And I think that learning from my own uh, path, I'm a mediator personality. So I want everybody to be even, everybody to be happy, but I wasn't focusing on my own needs to be, you know, happy. I, I poured myself into other people and that uh, it just created a, a worse situation, especially if it ended in a, you know, a traumatic ending with that relationship or friendship. And uh, I would take it very personally and it would just sink me deeper into a, a, a depressive state with the, um, the career path. Um, being, being an artist can be a very difficult path to do with that. And uh, I think that's kind of a summary of what the past couple of years has really been with dealing with the depression of that. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that a great deal, especially in terms of, that misalignment between your relationships and, and what you want to accomplish that <laughs> can be a real a real challenge mentally. Most definitely. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can start back with Brian. Um, you know, how has photography helped you or benefited uh, your mental health? Uh, for me, though, I think photography right now is has been one of those things where I actually see it as one of the roots of what was causing a lot of the dysfunction and the way I was behaving. Um, like, like Pesman was saying, that's the same thing too, is like having that kind of lifestyle that, you know, forces you to be gone, forces you to kind of be out or doing things. It's not com- really compatible with a lot of different people's ideas of what, you know, healthy relationships are because, and they don't, if you're not in it, you don't really understand it. Um, so for me, like I was out, working. And then when I wasn't working, I felt like I should be out working or, you know, I mean, then you start kind of comparing like, well, this person's going here, this person's going here and I should be going. So those relationships, I mean, I'm still, you know, for the past two years been trying to mend, you know, the, the important 
you know, like marriage relationships, kid relationships, trying to be more present. So for me, photography now, it's even if I agree to do something like a workshop or a wedding or something, I feel this kind of sense of dread. Like, even though I agree to do it, I feel this like, oh, now I'm committed to this. Now I have to do it. You know what I mean? And that's been something that I've been dealing with, like kind of going, it's not fun. You know what I mean? Like it's, it feels like, uh, feels, I mean, feels like a job, which is not a bad thing, but like, it feels like you're tied to it. So trying to be present in a moment, like if I go out and shoot, I haven't gotten out to shoot for fun in over a year just to be like, pick up the camera and go, this will be fun. Everything I do is, you know, some kind of job and I am starting to have fun again when I'm out, but there's definitely this sense of like, uh Oh, now I'm tied to it. Now I have to do it. And, and I have a hard time, like brings up things like I can't let this get to the point where it was before, where it was damaging the most important relationships. I can't get to that point again. So I'm always like, Oh, do I have fun? I have too much fun. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's weird. It's almost like, I guess people with different kinds of addictions deal with that kind of stuff too, where you're like, I, you know, if I have a problem, like with, you know, committing and being um, prioritizing things that I'm not going to be able to necessarily know if I can stop it. You know what I mean? Like getting back in. So I'm always a little apprehensive with photos right now. So for me, it's not, the therapy that it used to be. And not, it's not this like enjoyable, like, yeah, I can't wait to get out and go shoot. Now it's, I'm trying to find other th- things to make it enjoyable. And that just become, hopefully will work back into something that's healthier eventually. Hmm. It sounds, it sounds like the, uh, you know, the commitment and the, t- you know, the time away from the relationships at home is, is what's ca- caused you some friction. For sure. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like I said, I, you know, when I came back after I like had that awesome collapse in the uh, race supermarket parking lot, (laughs) I, I mean, that's the worst part is I realized how ridiculous it looked like while I was in the middle of it. I was, uh, it was one of those things where you're just like, once you started, you know, it's like you, you know, it's like jumping off a cliff or something. Like once you go, like you're in it, like you're just going to fall. So, but I look back on that. Like when I came home, like I tried way too hard to make up for the previous times I was away. Like I went all forward, like, and that, you know, was a little smothering and a little bit overwhelming to like my wife and, you know, just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, they're like, I who got, are you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like based in my own insecurities. So it caused me to be not always the, the best person, like quite, you know, question everything and anxiety and depression, like caused me to be like a lot. I was a lot. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like trying to like, you know, therapy and medication and those things have helped. But, you know, there's always this kind of, I think, part where you, you go, I don't know. I don't, I think I can, ma- I can power through it. Like, you know, my brain can power through it. And like I said, you just, sometimes you can. And so there's always this apprehension to try to, you know, get better with medication or, you know, therapy. So, but. What about uh, for you, Len? How has uh, photography helped you? Well, I think photography is my measure of how healthy I am. Um, when when I'm settled and um, my mind isn't anxious and, and worrying about things and I'm able to let go, that's when my photography really flows and I need to be in that really um, connected state with myself and my inner self. So... When I am going through an episode or 
um, through a period of anxiety or worrying about something, like actually my photography stops. Um, I might just get an email from someone and uh, I'll start worrying about it and until I actually reply and decide what to do and um, get it out of my life and, you know, repair it or fix it or answer it, my photography totally stops and I can wander around clicking the camera um, but uh, nothing um, important or exciting comes out. It's a, those times when I'm actually totally settled that I, I do really beautiful work. Now, there's another thing that's tied into this for me and it's to do with walking. I find that uh, walking, particularly in, in Mother Nature and being with trees and, you know, cuddling them and touching them, uh, I can actually walk out quite a lot of my stress and anxiety. And then, you know, I might sometimes it might take me a week of walking, um, you know, doing hundreds of kilometres. Uh, other times it might just be a few hours. And then eventually I get to a state sometimes um, once I, I'm working on myself where I can actually start pulling out the camera and, and taking photos again. So I find it's a really interesting uh, a mix that uh, photography and my own health uh, need to be so in tune with each other uh, to work beautifully. Hmm. Yeah, that resonates for me a lot in terms of what you said about just being out in nature. That for me is more part of the therapy than the actual photography, although the photography sometimes is helpful as a distraction or an outlet for me anyway. What about for you, uh, Pesman? For me, it uh, well, it starts and ends with the the beauty of nature. Um, when I'm in a, a pretty dark place, um, the photography really does go away. Uh, it's very similar to what Len would say. It it's very tethered to my creative outlet. Um, I spent the past few years in a relationship that uh, I was trying to feed that relationship with this person. She is an artist as well. And so it was difficult to kind of let go of myself and try and build that person up. Um, you know, I had been accused of being selfish in, in that relationship, but I, I was just trying to be very giving. And so I found my own creative outlet kind of going away to try and help uh, them achieve their uh, their happiness and basically rejuvenate my soul again to be able to see things uh, all over again with uh, their their fresh eyes. And so I'd take take her to beautiful places and see all the wonderful places. But uh, a part of my creative outlet uh, was kind of disappearing. Um, I had to reinvent myself uh, through that process. Uh, a lot of the amazing places that I visit you see them all over the place. You can't go to Yosemite and not see something similar everywhere you go. You can't go out to Death Valley and not see something pretty familiar with uh, in the way it goes. So with the exception of seeing incredible light and capturing that, uh, I wasn't really able to find the inspiration to do what I did. I started doing more chasing clouds and storm chasing and being able to do something different for myself that I felt like nobody was really doing to kind of reinvent myself to kind of rejuvenate my soul with the the photography and i think it ultimately started to be a lot healthier in my mind to be able to rebuild myself to do um that path anything we do as artists is always going to be questioned we we question ourselves but i think at the end of the day when you sit down and you find yourself 
practically near tears, chasing light and color and energy. That's really the therapy that we create as an artist. Um, we might edit something that nobody will like, but we like it. And I think that's really, at the end of the day, if I would want to put that on my wall, that's what it's supposed to be. I'm trying not to uh, appeal to everybody. I want it to be beautiful for what I felt in that moment. And uh, that's really helped heal me through a lot of the pain that, uh, you know, I do feel either through the relationships or the depression and the doubts that uh, that do go hand in hand with the, uh, the artistry that we deal with. Nice. Yeah. I like what you said about reinventing yourself through a different style of, of, of landscape photography and the storm chasing. I know you're doing some workshops this summer so that that must feel good to have that to look forward to <laughs> yeah definitely it, it makes a big difference right now especially with uh you know stealing dealing with the end of covid and uh knowing that there's a little bit of hope at the uh, end of that tunnel with what we've been dealing with the past few years and just trying to get through with the um the depression changing the relationships it just it's tumultuous time but i do feel like for all of us it's a rebirth even talking now it feels like um almost like a some would say you know giving childbirth or you know a big relief it it feels good to be able to talk to others who know what we're suffering through and I, you know i think that's the big thing right now that it's not just len it's just not brian or you or myself we all suffer through this as artists and we all go through this path and it's okay to reach out to each other and be vulnerable in that situation because it's really a difficult thing to deal with yeah so you know brian i know you already touched on this a little bit but i'd be curious for the group um you know conversely what challenges might the pursuit of photography have on our mental well-being and do you want to kick us off brian or anything you um, add to what you already said <laughs> challenges for me like right now is just finding like you know getting excited about shooting you know like there's not much that, you know, like I get excited for shooting, like, which is kind of nice on one, like I can see a sunset and I go, oh, that's cool. Without feeling like I'm missing out on being somewhere or, I'm, mm. you know what I mean? Or I can look at, you know, I don't look at a lot of photos anymore online either. Just, you know, it's like cool. But like, I found myself too, like reading way too much into what people are shooting, why they shot it, where they shot it. And, you know, like, it would almost make me resentful. So I was like, Oh yeah, must be nice to be out there shooting that. Like, you know, so <laughs> now I'm like, Oh, it's just, I only try, I'm trying to get to the point where I only do photography when it's 100% by my rules. Um, I've been lucky that now that we've had a change of ownership or at Aperture Academy, where I work, like she's, been very very good at understanding where i'm at mentally and i've been very good about being able to kind of communicate so there's not this more like oh we need you to go do something you have to go do this or you need to go do this it's strictly on you know like and that's what i'm trying to keep photos is to try to find the joy in it again by making sure that if i don't want to do it i don't do it if it's not going to be fun or enjoyable like i just don't do it like i put myself in a spot where i financially hopefully don't need have that stress or that feeling that I have to do it for money. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to keep it that way. That's, that's very wise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about uh, for you, Len? I'm so, I actually, I, I ring so true with so many things that you just said there, um, particularly um, photographing for myself as opposed to photographing for other people. Um, once I, 
I had a, I blew um, probably a house um, in um, investing in have, opening a, a, a gallery in the Blue Mountains when I was much younger um, and lost all that money. And when I was in there and trying to figure out what would sell, then I'd go out to take photographs to try and create for other people what I thought they would buy and my the quality of my work went downhill uh, absolutely terribly and uh, over the years I've learned to be very very selfish in this and uh, what Brian was just saying about producing work for yourself and um, I, I find that is where I produce my best work is when I'm in totally selfish about it but being someone that um, is very very giving that's a, a very weird space to be in uh, and then uh, the other part of that is comparison. I um I, I spend uh, well I have spent in my life way too much time comparing my work to other people's work, and uh, uh, I'm really interested in in um, uh, Cole's idea of a bit of celibacy there, where you know putting your head in a bit of a, a bucket and and ignoring everyone else and just going and making work for yourself. And the more I actually do that the happier I seem to be when I remove this self-comparison um, and it becomes this anxious thing. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we've all been stuck in that rut with um, social media where we get caught up in, in loving likes and comparing ourselves to someone else's photograph and why did that one get so many and, and this one didn't. Um, uh, I think photography is has got so many different areas that can trigger us or that can cause problems as well through um, the mental games that we need to play in it to survive in it or to actually create our beautiful work in it yeah I, that resonates a lot for me i i um i remember very clearly back in you know 2014 2015 where i spent a great deal of time, you know, comparing my photography to other people's photography and trying to emulate other people because I thought that's what I needed to do. And it's just incredibly unhealthy way to, to take, take on a creative pursuit. And, um, you know, I think I still struggle with that every day. You know, you get on social media and you're like, Oh, why does, why does that photo have so many people that like it, but no one likes mine? What's going on? And it's, it's just such a, it's just not a fair thing to do to yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, um, it's not healthy. It's, it, it's just, I don't know. It, it's a bad approach. So I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about this as well. Pesman. I think on my end, it, it's a little bit of a strange take because I, I've had to learn to be a little bit more selfish with my approach to the photography, but I've also a little bit boxed in, because of the gallery work that I do, uh, my, my galleries in Hawaii tend to be more um, ocean-centric, and that boxes me in, and I don't enjoy particularly trying to create something for somebody else. It, it feels like I'm compromising myself as an artist to be able to have to force myself to create a spot. Uh, I'd rather create a signature moment from those spots and try and get the best light possible before I would release that. When I go back and I look at the social media and you, and you see other people and their take on it, if you feel like you took your best chance at it and you got it with the best available light that you were given, well, that's how you can be really satisfied with what you've done. And I, I think as artists, we try and do that. We do notice, especially on the social media, that uh, 
there's a lot of saturation with a lot of spots and I love it all. It always reminds me of being in that spot and being there on a normal day is it's just wonderful to be able to experience it and take in that moment. It doesn't have to be special light and you can just enjoy that moment. But when that really truly special moment does come and you're there to capture it and you feel like you're one of the only people to capture that, that's the, that's the gift that we're given uh, as artists. And uh, that's what keeps me motivated, keeps me wanting to move forward with it and kind of keep creating uh, new and unique, new, new and unique challenges are always um, very accessible for us. And we can continue pushing ourselves forward with what we do. But at the same point, the doubt does linger um, as we do see more photography and then the whole of all of photography's history every year, we are definitely inundated and oversaturated. Uh, there can be sometimes where we see, you know, artistry that is nowhere near what the landscape photographer is dealing with. Um, I know back when I was an editor with the outdoor photographer magazine, we would get so many submissions that would come in from the old film days, but there would be something wrong with it. So we'd throw them up and you look back now and you realize that they were actually geniuses. They were just trying to do something completely different, but um, because they had to stay in the straight and narrow, it compromised us even at the magazine level. So um, I think staying forward with what your vision is, is definitely the best way to go about it and to let go of that jealousy factor. <laughs> Love that. Um so shifting a little bit, I'm curious if any of the three of you have ever used photography um, to help others suffering with mental health issues, whether it's depression, anxiety, or, or other issues. As a teacher uh, who uh, actually advertises that I have um, uh, a first aid certificate in mental, first, uh, mental health first aid and um, having worked with youth at risk and long-term unemployed people um, over my whole life, I seem to somehow attract a lot of people as clients, um, photography clients who I mentor, and I'm very happy to help use um, photography as a means of dealing with their, with their mental illnesses all, and also just with their struggles um, and who they are. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that art is a absolutely fantastic teacher and uh, we can use it to unravel who we are we can use it for therapy we can use it for escapism um, we can use it just for uh, purely for fun we can get out of get anger and let that go um, I find that it's happened quite often and uh, I just encourage people to keep going with it and to keep exploring and let let it tell them where it needs to go rather than um, try and guide them um, in a therapeutic manner, but uh, not being a therapist, but trying just to encourage them to, to keep producing and keep asking the question, well, what does my photography actually teach me? What does my art teach me? And on a such a different level, Photography has taught me who I am, and I could spend hours telling you about uh, how photography unpacks the complex nature of who I am and allows me to understand who I am as a person and uh, gives me um, great confidence to be able to speak um, and be settled in my inner health as to who I am. Hmm. Uh, what about for you, Brian? I was just going to say that I don't know that I have intentionally like used photography to help people with, you know, their own struggles, but 
I'm sure I have, like, I have just because I've dealt with a large number of clients. And I know for a lot of people, photography is an escape and it is a way to get out. So I think I just try to make sure that when I am out and when I, in the past when I've been out, that people have a good experience, that they have fun, you know, because I understand that they're doing it for some different reasons, especially now. There's, you know, people are doing things for different reasons than me. So, and sometimes I just, I, you know, try to always remember that, that I'm there to make sure somebody has a good experience and that when I am there now, I chose to be there. So it's allowing, you know, me to be more present, which I feel like I'm giving people a more genuine version of myself, which, you know, helps them, I assume, at some level. Totally. Uh, Pesman, do you have anything to add to that? I think, honestly, for me, back when I was a kid, I remember listening to Stevie Ray Vaughan music and, and he was in the throngs of a, a deep drug habit. Uh, he was able to shed that. And once he was able to do that and before he you know, tragically died, he used his experience as an ambassador to it. And he had a joy. Anybody would come up to him, anybody, and would be able to talk to him about any wide subject when it came to overcoming addiction, overcoming pain. You see, he was a wonderful ambassador to that. And I, I was so inspired by that, that I feel like anybody could come up to talk to me about photography and I would love to be able to talk about it. I'm a camera geek. I'm a tech hound. I, I'm a voracious reader about new technology and I love to talk to people about the art of the camera. And I feel like uh, we are all ambassadors of that. There's always a younger generation that's looking to learn, want to know what best lenses to use, how they use the camera, um, you know, what's the best composition to do, how to edit. It, it brings me a great joy. It actually maybe even more so than actually being in the field to be able to explain that to people and act as that ambassador. It really fills my soul with that kind of same joy that I'm sure Stevie Ray Vaughan must have felt uh, to be able to kind of heal with them at the same time and feel that joy. I just wanted to follow up on that. I have that same feeling as a a professional photography teacher um, and someone that facilitates and works with people uh, that's actually one of my escapisms and, and way of actually um, uh, uh, healing myself and also um, giving me a huge, a great reward is actually this process of helping other people. And uh, through using art and photography for that, I, I've actually find that that's my escape. And I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, being curled up in a ball, um, shaking and, and not being able to get out of bed all day. I'm actually able to get up and actually get onto a, a video cast that I have to do and present totally normally for other people and then go back into my little world again. So uh, this is something that totally interests me into the future. And uh, I've just tracked down a, a course in art therapy that uh, I'll enroll in next year so I can actually pursue this um, for my own personal benefit um, and to be able to help other people in the in the long run. So uh, I totally understand that um, whole process there. Mm, very cool. Well, I think one thing I've noticed, and I'm curious if you guys have noticed this too, is um, there's, there's a fair number of photographers out there that openly, um, you know, use photography as a means to kind of process and or grapple with some some darker emotions and i'm curious how do we spot the line where grappling with those dark emotions via our artwork ceases to be therapeutic and enters more dangerous territory 
And I was going to say all artistry has the very fine line in, in my mind with teetering on dangerous and uh, exploration of things that maybe we're not used to. Um, but I always feel like you go through moods when you create and uh, sometimes you'll be in a very red mood. Sometimes you'll be in a very blue mood and a very green mood. Uh, if you're feeling especially expressive, but in, maybe in that day you weren't in a great place, there might be some anger that comes out of it. But is it dangerous to me? I don't know if it's so much dangerous, but it it's almost takes it head on. Uh, I'll edit that piece and I'm, maybe I'll delete it. Maybe I'll never go look at it again. Um, but it felt good to get that out. And that's a good therapy for me able to do. I think in terms of the, the anger that I would feel with that, um, generally speaking, I try and not let my art become too angry within myself because it can. And then it becomes sloppy and it, it becomes something that I don't want uh, as a an identity for that art. But I, I think so, for some people that might actually be kind of almost their therapy to be able to do. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian? I was just going to say, for me, like I don't know that... It's, I've always associated photography as something I do when I'm feeling good and I'm feeling, you know, con you know, well. So it's for me, like, I've never really found myself creating when I'm not feeling, you know what I mean? I think that's part of the problem, too, is like I don't take some of the negative things I'm feeling or dealing with and go try to process those creatively. I think I just sit and think about them way too much. And then that's also not good. So I think for me, like that would probably be something I should probably try to do more is deal creatively with some of those negative feelings and seeing how I can put them, you know, maybe turn them into something beautiful or something different as opposed to just like not doing anything. So for me, like I don't go to the dangers, you know, with photos because I not, I don't photograph when I'm not feeling well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with a few artists that openly talk about how their approach to landscape photography is a is a tool by which they are trying to, you know, overcome depression or some other mental illness. And and what I've tended to notice is that sometimes that borders on some inappropriate behavior and toxic lashing out um, from those individuals to the community or to members of the community. And you know, often I feel like that line is crossed when people are, you know, they're, they're saying, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with mental illness. So, you know, it's almost like they're using it as an excuse to, for their behavior. And I know that's probably not true, but it, at the same time, it sometimes feels like people are saying that, you know, I'm a jerk because I have mental illness. And I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, uh, Brian. Oh, yeah. that's In that case, I do see that where people are maybe using the same platform that they on like social media to like, hey, here's where I share photos and here's where I put that out there. But now I'm also going to start telling you about some of these issues that I'm dealing with, which is not is a, is therapeutic, I guess, in a way. But sometimes it does get to the point where it's I'm wondering why are you sharing that with hundreds of thousands of people that, you know, you don't know personally, like, I guess I'm sharing right now for people that don't know me personally, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Sometimes it's put out there like you're trying to get the same amount of likes and comments back that you would for a photo. And I feel like some people kind of go, I mean, are you trying to just seek affirmation from it? You know, that's why, that's why I think it gets a little dangerous when you're trying to, 
feel that dopamine hit that you get on social media for things that might be better suited with medication or talking to somebody professionally or, you know, mm-hmm. like a group instead of going, okay, you like my pictures now, like, tell me again how much you like me because of these things that I'm dealing with. So, mm-hmm. um, anyone, anyone else have a thought about that? I guess uh, I just wanted to mention that in surf culture where I shot a lot of photography, um, it's a very narcissistic approach. Uh, surfing itself is a very solitary activity. And so that's a narcissistic approach. Well, the photography that goes with that, the photographers become very narcissistic. And in California in particular, it's very competitive. And so it's a bunch of hater mentality. And so you do experience that. And if you're on the wrong side of that or somebody's critiquing you, it's real easy to get caught up in the politics and then the, you know, the real anger that you would feel with that. I, I'm myself have always been tried to beat to a different drum on that and uh, tune out the static. And usually if I'm going to send a, a photo out, I think my therapy is to just send it out for people to like, I appreciate that they take time to make comments. I appreciate that they share the image, but at the end of the day, my hope is that they're just enjoying it for themselves. I feel like a lot of photographers out there, they are looking for that narcissistic approach. They they want the accolades and to be something, you know, celebrity status and more in tune with what our society is with the social media. So it kind of comes to, a conflict with what we are as artists sometimes. Yeah. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Pesman, in terms of kind of what I've seen is, you know, using the photography and the social media as a vehicle for, you know, filling a void within yourself is potentially not the best reason to engage in the craft of photography. Although I guess if it works for you, um, I guess from the outside, though, I, I feel like most most observers that see that kind of see it for what it is. Um, I could be wrong, though. I feel like it's okay. pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, let's move on to the next next question. Um, so, what is the role of storytelling in photography as part of our mental uh, well being, specifically as a therapeutic process? And I guess we can start with Len. I think that's an incredibly um, fascinating idea to be playing with is telling stories about who we are. Um, And uh, uh, every photograph tells so much about um, everything about us. Uh, This whole thing for me about uh, photography being something that I grow through and um, expand who I am on has been an absolutely wonderful journey. And I think that uh, as someone who's also a writer, using words to also help express that has also been an incredible journey for me. And when I combine words and photographs together to tell those stories, uh, I I found that to be incredibly cathartic and and helpful. Mm, Yeah. Brian? Yeah. um, For me now, like, and I used to like when I started getting really into the, like nature landscape photography, you know, well, 12 years ago. Um, for me, the story was as important, kind of like Lynn was saying, as important as the photos. Um, and the writing was as fun as the photos. And then I've noticed like once it stopped being fun, 
there weren't stories. Like I didn't have stories to tell anymore. Like I was just going and doing the job or doing the thing. And there wasn't a story like, but now like, again, like I'm, I'm starting to write a little bit more again. Um, but for me, like, again, same thing as like, I'm only doing things that are going to be a good story because at the end of the day, like a couple hard drive crashes or, or whatever, like all that stuff's gone. You know what I mean? And it's, it's going to be gone someday anyway. So the stories and the memories are the things that I can control and I can do things that enjoy me. So it's not just about the photos. It's about the people. It's about the food. It's about the drive. It's about all the other things as much as the stuff that the camera captures. Hmm. That resonates quite a bit for me as well in terms of what, you know, when I think some of my favorite images are not necessarily my favorites because they're great photos. It's because there's a really amazing story or experience that I had that goes along with that image. And it's, and the image always takes me back to that, to that story. So I, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, Pesman. Yeah, I think on, on mine, it, it's a, it's a deeply personal one with, uh, with my mom. She raised me just North of um, Rocky Mountain National Park. And she would go there once every four or five years, uh, she sacrificed to take care of the kids, and that's what her life was. And so, I would act as an ambassador for her and take the photography specifically for her uh, to see all the beautiful places in the world that she would never see. And you know, she was really supportive, and she loved to see the things that I would see that I knew that she would never see. And um, she passed away in 2007, right about the same time that social media started to take off MySpace and Facebook. And so for me, I was able to kind of use that almost therapy after her passing to kind of show it to a more grand audience. And I felt like that was, for me, the story that I wanted to be able to share with others of all the beautiful places that I was seeing and the light that I was able to experience. And it, uh, it's been that way ever since, you know, you get the highs and lows with the depression that go with it. But I feel like acting as goodwill towards the beautiful places we see helps with my mind. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's great. Awesome. Well, I mean, you had mentioned this earlier and you'd kind of just touched on it, but I'm curious for each of you, how do you feel like social media can affect your, our mental health as photographers. You know, I'm specifically thinking of, you know, comparing ourselves to others and fear of missing out and things like that. But I'm curious kind of what your specific thoughts are on that. And we can start with you, Brian. Um, for me, like, and this is one thing I started to notice, like when I was just putting stuff up there, like I have to post every day twice a day, you know, just keep posting, keep posting. And then you'd start to look in your, you know, archives for new stuff to post. And then you start to get frustrated. Like, I don't have anything. I got to go take more pictures because I don't have anything new. I need to get something new. I need to go somewhere new. And I really didn't like that feeling. And, you know what I mean? And I see people too that it's almost like they come up with this persona. That's the social media persona that they feel like they have to just keep making this person online who posts four or five times a day who interacts and shows like way too much of their life. You know what I mean? It's like, it's too much. Sometimes I'm just like, you're making yourself into a cartoon character basically. Cause I'm sure that's not how you really are just like in everyday life. You you've made like photography man or photography woman and they have to come out and like do their thing and show their stuff. Um, and 
You know what I mean? And it just feels so disingenuine to me. Like I'm like, you're, that's not who you probably are. Right. And you're not cool. You're not a celebrity. Like you're not, you're not that cool. Like you point cameras at things. Like you're not, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like that, you're so ridiculous. Like you've created this person online. Well, I think part of the problem is that typically people only share the good, the good moments in their lives on social media. They don't, you know, it's not like exactly. when your car, when your car break, car breaks down or something you're like oh my See, god those are my favorite things to share now like <laughs> i really i really get joy like my favorite thing now is talking about parenting teenagers is my favorite thing um or just rant like i don't ever want to talk about photography stuff or show like i don't want to be a, like i don't know i don't want to take myself too seriously in this profession anymore um so i think i just i get joy in like the most random things now like and I always see people that, I, I don't know, sometimes it's the social media stuff is insane. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, for you, Len? I've had to um, I've had to withdraw from social media. I, um, it, I, it was getting too much to me, particularly during um, the last year with the pandemic and um, some of the stresses in there that uh, I, I turned Facebook off. Um, I actually nearly deleted my whole account. Um, and, uh, I, you know, if I hop on Instagram or something, I'm, I'm only on there for a few minutes looking at the top few photos um, that it's trying to tell me that I should be looking at. Uh, I've, I've actually had lots of problems with it personally to the point that um, – I'm now using my assistant to actually post for me and I'm writing um, and posting my work on my blog and then getting someone else to do the social media for me so I don't actually have to interact and um, be caught up in the feed of it. I, I, uh, I find it an absolutely horrendous place to hang out and uh, uh, it's a bit like having, I don't know if if this is a worldwide phenomenon, but I turn on the, the news uh, or the TV and um, I'm bombarded with absolute crap around from just only local stuff, but from around the whole world about what's going wrong in the world and violence and, um, you know, the things, the way we treat women or other races and um, or other countries. And I find it actually uh, overwhelming. So, uh, I actually have a bit of a bucket of sand that I love to put my head in and um, <laughs> hide from the rest of the world. And so pulling away from social media for my own mental health has been a, an, an incredibly important thing, as as turning off the news and stop actually following and, uh, you know, waking up to here in the middle of the wilderness and, and not actually having that connection um, to the rest of the world but being present in just somewhere beautiful. Uh, totally calms me and brings me back into my own inner happy place of sanity. So, yeah, I, I think social media is a is a huge problem uh, for me personally, and I think uh, I'm not alone in that either. No, the news think- here, yeah, the news here is so uplifting in the United States, Lynn. I'm very positive, always happy. There, we have such great news here. <laughs> Sorry, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to laugh at that. It's just a, uh, I, I get it totally. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what about you, Pesman? I'm just in it for the memes and the cat photos. <laughs> hey, man, I love the I love the memes. <laughs> no, I, I think it, it, it's like the uh, 
the scene from Godfather Three is like, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. It, it, you oh, feel I like know. you can just let go and, and you don't have to worry about it. But I'll be damned if you don't get an amazing shot and you're like, oh man, I, I just I want to share this and I'm gonna get sucked back in and, and do the thing. But I've managed to find like a almost a dance of my heart to be able to not post uh, too much, maybe once a week, find something fun to, to post up, or if I something I found real creative and then post it up. And then maybe a few days later, I'll come back, see comments. And, you know, if I'm not feeling lazy or feeling inspired, I'll hit like, and, you know, occasionally we'll comment, but I think it's all about managing your own expectations. And if it becomes a true job to do through social media, it's going to be a job and it becomes joyless. And I think uh, for my aspect of it, it, I'd rather just continue to keep it fun and, and a joy to be able to share that imagery when it becomes a job to have to do that. Uh, game over. It's it's time to move on to something different uh, in my life. So I generally try and kind of manage the expectations with social media through that. Hmm. I love that. Well, Len, you had started to touch on the next question that I had, and maybe you can expand upon it a little bit. But the question is, how can uh, an authentic con- connection with the natural world impact our mental health? Uh well, I, I totally believe that um, as we, you know, progress what we down this line of what we call so-called civilization and um, uh, this modern world of electronics and, um, uh, you know, absolute uh, population growth and, and uh, greed and all those sort of things that as we leave Mother Nature, we start to lose a bit of our spirituality. Now, this is probably a um, quite a, a, an opinionated and um, just my belief in these things, but I think the further we get away from Mother Nature, the more we struggle with um, things like mental illness um, uh, and other huge problems in the world. So I totally believe that being in contact back with, with nature brings me peace. I was... I struggled last year um, with definitely a PTSD episode that went on for nine months. And uh, uh, my healing journey was in January this year when I walked across my country uh, here in the Blue Mountains and I did a, um, you know, a 50-mile walk um, in the wilderness with my son. And uh, I started out quite stressed and worried about everything and, um uh, along the way my my son got some blisters and we had to we had to pull out early and also spend a few days just resting <laughs> and uh, i found myself actually talking to mother nature out in the middle of nowhere when no one could actually hear that i was actually talking to her and uh you know asking for some guidance and some peace and uh i actually walked out of the wilderness as a different person and uh it healed me, and that experience I found is a healing one. So whenever I get that stressed, it's through that walking and then sitting with trees. So uh, for me, Matt, that, that totally nails why I'm a, a, out there as a wilderness landscape photographer. It's about having that connection with Mother Nature and wanting to preserve it as an, in, um, as an environmentalist um, and to heal myself and uh, I think it heals other people as well so you nail it yeah 
Uh, what about for you, Brian? Um, for me, I think having an authentic experience wherever you are, not just nature works, you know, for me, like I definitely, when I, uh, when I'm out there now, like the pressure to bring the camera and come away with some kind of shot is gone. So when I do go out in nature, I'm just like, hmm, I'm not going to bring the camera or my phone, whatever I take on my phone is fine. It preserves the moment. But like, even though if I go somewhere, whether it's to the grocery store or, you know, to a place that like making genuine connections with people, you know what I mean? And being present for those people, you know, is I find enjoyable, like, and just trying to be connected where I am at that given day with that person or those, you know, that group of people. Um, so that's what I've tried to do is make a genuine connection just wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, Len. I just, Brian was just saying something there that I think I would really want to reinforce um, uh, to everyone is that this uh, stopping and uh, and not actually taking photographs and giving yourself permission not to take photographs is an incredible um, important part in that whole process of healing and looking after ourselves. And I think uh, we give ourselves way too much pressure to come home with the shot um, and. Uh, uh, we should back off on that and just be there and enjoy being there. So I just wanted to really nail that one through. I think that's what Brian said there is so, so important. Mm. Pesman? Well, it's kind of a just to pad what they're saying. I, the greatest tool in my arsenal with my photography isn't my camera. It's my cell phone because it is very easy to get a quick shot and then just sit in that moment and truly just enjoy that moment and, and appreciate that beautiful spectrum that you're seeing with nature. And uh, I know I, I definitely have had many times where I'm having the most beautiful light, most beautiful structure, anything out there. And I'll go home and I won't have the memories to go with that. And I wish I would have been able to just appreciate that moment uh, a, a lot more greater detail. And I realize that the photography will take me back to that moment. But uh, sometimes we do get caught up into that. Um, trying to remember that movie with Ben Stiller that uh, he went on the adventure, but uh, he met up with the photographer. It was um, Sean Penn. And Sean Penn was supposed to be on this assignment to take photos of, I think it was a, a lion or I, I'm not exactly sure what it was. And he didn't take the photo and he had told Ben Stiller, he's like, sometimes I don't take the photo because it's a private moment just for me. And I, I remember that resonated so deeply. Uh, there are many times where I'm out in the field where I will just appreciate that moment. Um, kind of reminds me of a moment I was in the Carrizo plane out in uh, central California shooting wildflowers. I had the whole entire area all to myself, all afternoon. Didn't see a single soul, uh, very quiet, dead winds. It wasn't the greatest light ever, but it was just so peaceful right there. And uh, had a little discussion with nature, and uh, it was kind of a spiritual journey. I I felt like at that moment I, I could bear my soul a little bit, and uh, you know, for forgive God for taking uh, you know my mom from me and taking uh, pain. Uh, that I had had carried for a long time. And it, it was a, a penultimate moment for me to realize that nature is the ultimate healing tool for what I do. And it's such a beautiful experience to, to know that we're out there really healing ourselves with that, um, that privacy. And I, I do believe that that is our therapy. 
I love it. Okay. Well, uh, let's uh, shift shift gears a tiny bit. Um, and I, I really will appreciate um, your diverse um, perspectives on this question. How does the financial side of photography impact your connection to photography or your mental health? Um, for me, for a while, like, it was a needed part of my income. I mean, I teach high school too, so like I do get have another job, which I'm thankful for because there was a time that I was like, man, I can quit teaching high school and just do this thing full time. Thank God I did not do that. Like, like it would have been, you know, bad, bad considering the last couple of years. But for me, it's not a big, huge part of my income. And I've been trying to figure out ways to like do more stuff at school and find other ways closer to home to replace some of that income so I can keep it. Well, like I said, so I make sure that it's always my decision. I'm not going because I feel obligated to make money and, mm-hmm. That's hopefully going to start to bring back some of that creativity and that desire to. So for me, like I don't do any, you know, I'm trying to make it not about money because then I feel like when it becomes all about money, then it's really easy to be manipulated. It's easy to be taken advantage of because you have to do it. And I can't put myself in that spot anymore. Mm -hmm. I I hear a lot of people talking about how uh, when, you know, when they make it a full time thing, that it's really um, unfortunately forced them to lose sight of what they enjoyed about being a photographer to begin with. And I'm, I'm personally kind of scared for that myself because, you know, I'm trying more and more to make photography more part of my income, but I can appreciate that it's maybe not a good idea too. So I'm curious what either Len or Pesman have to say about it. Um, I'm happy to pick up on that. I am. I remember when being younger, um, thinking that I wanted my life to be around photography uh, as an income and setting up an art gallery and actually diving into that whole thing. And then I mentioned this earlier about losing my way in that um, very much so. And so I totally have sympathy for that. Uh, And yet today, I wouldn't say I'm a professional photographer at all. Uh, I'm really a photography teacher. And that has actually given me this huge amount of freedom with my own art. Uh, I can have an art exhibition. I don't need to sell uh, a single photograph from the exhibition uh, for my own self-esteem or to make money out of it. Uh, if I if it brings in a few more clients that would like to come and learn photography for me, uh, it becomes this huge marketing exercise rather than a financial success. And uh, uh, as I progress along, uh, I found that letting go of the finances of uh, making a living for photography, I'm, I feel like I'm in a, a related field in a sense because I still have my total artistic freedom to photograph what I like and how I like to do that. And uh, that's been an incredibly important thing for me personally. Hmm. Pesman? Well, I'm, having done the art gallery world for 10, 15 years and then magazine work before it, it's always been a very sustainable uh, career path. But then COVID came along and just absolutely rocked my world entirely, uh, completely changed my outlook, uh, was not receiving any money. Obviously, galleries were closed and uh, had to basically reinvent myself and actually put my photography 
mostly aside. I mean, right now I'm doing what I feel like is a high school job dealing uh, Grubhub deliveries uh, just just to make ends meet. Uh, things are coming back and I'm able to kind of start going, but I'm actually taking my career path into, you know, other forms of um, uh, just different careers. Uh, Going to be doing real estate a little bit and then doing more workshops. Uh, it's it's definitely interesting to switch over from doing something so personal for you and enjoying that to kind of switching more to being more of an ambassador to photography and maybe even somewhat letting go of the actual career path of that. Um, it is a little bit more of a reward to know that I could go back to the photography and just enjoy it for myself a little bit. There was a lot of pressure all these years to produce for a, a career in that. And it it's been a struggle for the past couple of years to even just see so many great artists out there who they are the starving artists. And you know, they're just amazing photographers and know that are they ever going to be able to see the light of day? I feel like we're all kind of given a brief moment of, to enjoy that success and then it moves on to the next person. And so, you know, unless your name's Peter Lick, it, it's not going to be the easiest path for any of us to, to sustain going forward. So I think that's part of it is we want to just enjoy it for ourselves and not worry about the finances because it, it's going to be an uphill battle for all of us. Yeah. And I don't, he said his name, but um, what I've, what I've kind of noticed from the outside looking in, is um, with the people that are incredibly successful. Now, obviously, I'm painting it with a pretty broad brush here, so it's not going to apply to everyone. But I see a lot of people that are able to find that success. Um, they're doing it at expense of something else, whether that be um, their personal ethics or how they treat other people or 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 maybe their pursuit of the craft um, just for themselves. And so I think... Um, it's it's possible to do it, but I think for a lot of people, it comes at great sacrifice. I don't know if that resonates for anyone else. It, it can, and I think we all know people like that. We, you know, we, they don't need to be named. We, we every last one of us know, uh, kind of. I don't want to make it such a harsh thing, but selling ourselves out, so to speak, and maybe even compromising our artistry for, you know, that dollar, or you know, potentially exposing a spot that we don't necessarily want the masses to go and, you know, uh, become an influencer type and uh, lose sight of, of the artistry of what we're trying to do. Yeah. What about for you, Brian? Um, I, I always wonder sometimes too, when I, when people are so like putting out there, like how, how successful they are and all these things, like I always wonder how much of it's true. Cause then you, you know, sometimes you, you hear something, then you hear a story from like somebody that worked someplace or you know they're like no no that's never we never sold out of that print or you know you go oh we just made it look like it was sold out to the you know you know fake demand and things like that so i always wonder sometimes how much of what you put out there is or no you know people put out there that look successful on the surface is real you know yeah and to that point i think it depends on your definition of success too right i mean i i think money is not the best a measure of that <laughs> yeah for sure if i mean if i have to cut the sleeves off my shirt and wear a cowboy hat to be successful i'm probably not gonna ever be successful yeah len did you have anything to add to that uh, i i think that's just you again you're nailing it as a um everyone is here talking about that thing that uh money isn't really success is it it's uh and when we're talking about a creative art 
Um, there's those that are able to market and sell their work so um, well and uh, run it as a business. Uh, so many of those people um, uh, produce specific work for that to, to sell. And uh, as someone who considers themselves an artist, being true to our, our inner personal self uh, has as actually is the key to success. So it's been a wrestle, and that's been one for mental health, uh, financial security, um, all those sort of things over those years of, of getting to this place, well, I'm just going to be selfish and take um, work for my own personal self, um, for my own health and for my own um, uh, being, and that actually turns out to be my best work. Uh, mm -hmm. When I do it for those other people or to sell or to, for business, um, it is, for me, it's personally, it is a sellout and I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think so many of them uh, do it for the wrong reasons there. Um, uh, well, for the wrong reason for me anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we had a last minute question come in from Sarah Marino. And I thought it was a really interesting one, and I'm hopefully not going to butcher it because I have to kind of rephrase it as a question. But um, the idea is, uh, you know, does how we pursue photography influence our mental health? For example, you know, the difference um, between, you know, constantly chasing light and epic conditions and epic locations and the anxiety that that can produce, especially when we know that we might fail versus an approach where we slow down and eliminate our expectations and, and are more open to just discovering what we can from, from what we encounter. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. And uh, I'm going to start with, uh, with you, Pesman. Well, I kind of relate to a story. I've got a friend who shoots waves uh, at a beach called Sandy Beach in Hawaii. He has been looking for one specific wave for 20 years and it's never come quite right. There's always something just a little bit wrong. The light's not quite what he's looking for and it drives him completely crazy and it affects his mental health. And uh, I, I think because of what his own goals are with it, uh, I don't know that that wave will ever actually come, that it'd be what he's looking for. And, uh, you know, you try and talk to your friend uh, to say, you know, you can accept what it is and, and try and just make the best of what you've got and then go forward with it, or it is going to drive you crazy. And I know sometimes it can be very challenging from my end to go for that perfect moment. I think sometimes we all, we just have to be lucky about what we do. Uh, we have to study what the conditions are going to do. And there is a great amount of stress that sometimes we can put on ourselves and the agony of putting that pressure about, what we're trying to look for that color and that light. Um, but I think at the end, it's kind of what we've all been kind of reviewing is that it, it should be our therapy. It should not be our stress. I, I feel like if we're putting too much stress on that moment, it does take that joy away and uh, it, it could be a real struggle from that point on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember when I lived in Oregon, there was a, there's a specific scene that I kept revisiting probably six or seven times. And it involves a, relatively long like three four mile hike up up a mountain and it and i was you know admittedly i was trying to emulate someone else's photo which was completely part of the 
the start of the whole problem to begin with for me. But I remember I kept going back, going back, going back, going back, and it was never the way that I envisioned it to be. And it was really just not healthy in terms of my enjoyment of photography or you know, it just unrealistic expectations on Mother Nature. And and I'm I'm sure that I passed by thousands and thousands of perfectly beautiful images in pursuit of that one scene over and over again. And and that's not a healthy approach either, I don't think. So it, it the question that she asked resonated quite a bit for me. I'm curious, uh, what about for you, Brian? Um what I'm trying to tell myself now, like I used to do that too, where I'm like, I am gonna go get this image. But then you <laughs> You know, like I want this one from this spot, but you start to realize, like, I'm competing against people who are willing to live in a van full time, like, <laughs> right, right. So they're like, they just can stay there, and they, I mean, they, they're willing to sacrifice that part of their life just to be able to go get epic conditions wherever they want. Where I was like, I have to go back home at the end of two days. So I'm learning that I can't make things happen the way I want them to necessarily. So I've started to just kind of go into places and go, okay, these are the general areas that I'm going to shoot, but I'm not going with any expectations. I'm just going to go. And if it happens to be a grand scene that I shoot, sweet. If it happens to be like a little intimate, you know, kind of intimate scene, that's sweet. Or if there's nothing to shoot, that's also okay. So that's what I'm like. Cause I'm like, you can't, it's a young person's game. Like photography is a young and rich person's game. And, you know, the people who have, lots of disposable income can go trophy hunt photos wherever they want people who are willing to sacrifice a house and that kind of stuff to go live in a van and travel can get the photos they want because they can just stay somewhere like none of those things are in my wheelhouse so i have to learn to make do with whatever's there that day (laughs) totally um len anything you would add to that i just agree totally that um if we're chasing trophies, um, uh, we're not actually getting to uh, our inner self as artists. Uh, the, the best work is when we're present and uh, uh, learning to. I think that, in one sense, it's a, a it's a rhetorical question asking that whole thing. But uh, the answer's taken my whole life to get to. Like, um, 50 years or whatever of being out there working on it um, now and I, I look back well it's all been a journey of learning to be present and um, uh, working with what's actually there rather than forcing things and uh, uh, I think uh, that whole discussion is in- incredibly relevant for everybody um, to get to that that end point about learning to be there and just be present mm. be present I love that all right, gentlemen. Well, this has been really fun, and I really appreciate your your openness and your authenticity and your your willingness to to kind of speak your mind on these these issues. And 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 I hopefully hopefully you guys got something out of it. I I wonder maybe just real quick we could go around and if anyone has anything they want to talk about in terms of what they have coming up or that they want to promote to the audience. Um, maybe we could start with you, Pesman, just because I. I know you do have some cool stuff coming up and maybe it gives the others some opportunity to think about it. Well, it is summer and we're finally to the point where COVID's starting to go away. So we, my business partner and I are 
started a, an LLC last year to do storm chasing for photographers and uh, not many people that are doing that. And so it's kind of a, a fun way to go out and uh, uh, explore something that not many people are able to capture very effectively, very, um, very up close. Uh, we opened it up with uh, Ryan Dyer and Bruce Amore and uh, Miles Morgan and Jason Hatfield. So we're bringing on board some really great friends and really talented artists and uh, uh, really looking forward to getting out with the uh, clients to be able to do that this summer. And uh, uh, it's uh, chasetours.net is where they can go do it. And uh, I'd love to hear from anybody who's been able to get out there and explore and be an adrenaline junkie and a uh, photographer at the same time. It's a pretty good mix. Nice. Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, what about for you, Brian? Um, watch out, Pesman. Like, Brian and Miles, those guys are trouble. So I was, um, <laughs> just kind of throw that out there. Uh, they're a lot of trouble. But uh, no, they're, those guys are great guys. Um, and Bruce is all right, too. He's a cool guy. Um, yeah, you got a good team there. Uh, for me, I have a couple workshops coming up. But like I said, I'm not putting too much on my plate uh, on purpose. So... There's not, I mean, I'm starting to, what I'd like to do is to organize some photography type trips that are more about an overall experience as opposed to like trophy hunting or going out and mm -hmm. just going, okay, sunrise, we're shooting here. Sunset, we're shooting here. Where you maybe go, yeah, we're going to shoot a little bit because we do a, a workshop in Scotland and that one is a little less on photography because we do a lot of other things. And that one always seems to be the most enjoyable for everybody. Because you're not feeling that pressure, like you know, like sometimes in Iceland when we're driving around, you're like, it's a twelve-hour day of just going to go shoot here, now here to shoot, now here to shoot. And there are people that like that kind of boot camp style of shooting, but sometimes it's nice just to go sit somewhere and enjoy things and not, you know, be all about photography. So I'm trying to think of some stuff like that that maybe to put together for people that are just want to have an experience, whether it's about food, learning things about where you're at, more cultural, and yeah, we'll do some photography, but it's not the main thing. I love that. Oh, what about for you, Len? I've got uh, uh, some wonderful trips coming up and I'm so lucky to be able to um, be out in the field shooting um, with people. I'm off to Tasmania very shortly um, up in, into the Blue Mountains, but the, uh, their workshops and tours. But the most exciting thing that I've been up to lately, Matt, is um, – uh, I've just launched a magazine called Lens Journal, and uh, uh, I'm absolutely enamoured with the idea of uh, portfolios. And as the editor of that magazine, uh, uh, pursuing a, a, a wide range of photographers from around the world, um, asking them to and curating with them uh, a portfolio of their work, uh, that ties together as one meaningful body of work in maybe, you know, 10 or 12, 15 images um, and uh, a magazine light on words but rich in uh, creative photography without actually putting a, a, a genre on it um, or being stuck in a particular um, area of photography uh, going out into, you know, abstract and um, monochrome and uh, landscape and uh, um, a, a whole range of uh, broad things. So uh, that's been really exciting. We've just finished and ready to send to the printers our first issue. It'll be a, a limited edition. We're um, numbering them and embossing them, and uh, we only send them out to subscribers. So that's uh, lensjournal.com, and uh, I'm very, very excited to get our first one out 
um, in the next few weeks. So yeah, thanks, Matt. That's awesome. How, how um, if people are interested in in submitting um, their work to that, is it should they just go to the website? Yeah, that's the best way. Um, and I'm the editor, so I'm in, I'm really enjoying that process of curating and going through someone's work. My my one of my favorite things is to sit down with a photographer and actually go through their um, their whole portfolio. Well, not all their portfolio, obviously, but um, actually looking for something that would be really exciting um, to show people that's outside the norm. Uh, I'm really excited to find work that's um, uh, exciting and visually stimulating that's uh, um, different to what I'm, I'm used to seeing in my feed and also in, um, in other printed magazines or even on the, on the web. So, yeah, write to me um, for sure. Lovely. Awesome. Well, God, this has been so awesome. And I, I'm just super thankful that you guys were all able to join. And thank you again for, for your openness. Thanks thank again, you Matt. for having us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again to Brian, Pesman, and Len for joining me on the podcast and for their vulnerability in discussing their partic- these particular topics publicly. I hope the listeners may gain some insight, and for anyone feeling the pressures of mental illness, know that you're not alone. If you're experiencing issues with mental illness and need someone to talk to, you can text HELLO to 741741 or call 1-800-273-TALK. Well, I would like to take a moment to thank my friend Dan Hawk for bumping up his Patreon support. It really means the world to me that listeners value the content that we are producing. You too can support the show by visiting patreon.com forward slash fstop and listen. If you're looking for other ways to help out, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That really does help to spread the word to other people um, that this podcast is worth listening to. You can start engaging in conversations about the podcast on your favorite social media channel. You can engage with other listeners in our weekly discussion forums over on NPN, or you can join us for our weekly Clubhouse after parties where we discuss the episode. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.